heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. We are for sure being desensitized as a people, as a nation. I mean, the news cycle is is so corrupt and so vicious and so quick. And you know, when your when your son comes up to you and wants to tell you about, uh, it seems to be every day or every other day, uh, the next shooting that happened, and it becomes part of a just an afternoon conversation. Oh, by the way, there was another shooting in Indianapolis. Oh, and you know. Well, you know you have a problem then, don't you? And are you feeling the same way I am out there with all of these mass shootings? And, and you know, and it's not just, it, it's funny how we always think it doesn't come to our city or our, our town, right? I mean, we all, we all kind of think that way. It's not going to happen in my neighborhood. That's the way we all think, but then it does. And these are not just big cities and urban areas, but they are absolutely uh, small communities, towns, things of this nature. Uh, you know, this sort of, uh, you, you just never know when somebody's going off and for what reason, you know, we don't know what other people are going through in their lives and what drives this whole thing when it comes to this desensitizing and what's behind it all, which is what I think about all the time, because I'm, as you know, as a media guy, I, I see the media out there. I see they're all lock and step. And I wonder often, you know, well, what are they really up to? But it's not the truth. They're not about getting the truth out there for sure. And we know that. They all have an agenda. And it's it's corrupt is what it is. And so you take a look at some of these shootings in recent times, friends, and, and you you have to do a pause in your mind because it's it's pretty serious business, you know. And, you know, and, and the underlying thing beside all the shootings where we're shooting each other and the corruptness of that, then we have, of course, the, the police, the, impl- the implications of the, the police department, the police officer, if you will, yeah? And, and, and the headlines always tell the story on that. For instance, you see this one in Columbus, Ohio. You see that 16-year-old girl uh, was fatally shot by the officer uh, outside her home. And this is after they called the police and, and told them to get over here right away. And, you know, and which brings me up to a point I think about often. What happens when the police don't come? What happens when the, we, we desensitize this so much that the police no longer want to put their lives at risk, right? I mean, they always put their lives at risk, but what if they don't come because they don't want to take a chance that they end up locked up in prison because they're put in a spot or a bad situation and they have to take somebody out, which I don't think any of them want to do that. I mean, it would be very, I, listen, you're not going to sell me on the fact that all the police are corrupt and they're out there to kill people. That's just not the story, people. If there are any like that, it's, it's, it's minute, doesn't really exist. Like everything, there are always exceptions to the rule, and and but that's but we don't play to the exceptions. We play the the people out there, the media. They play to the rule. They never play to the exception, right? Because it's fear mongering, and fear mongering, and that's that's what they're selling is the fear. You see, and that's what it's all about, really. And so you see this. Uh, I I gotta started looking at this this Columbus uh, Ohio deal here. Okay, give you an example. 
And, and, and again, there's several factors here. There's where we're shooting each other. Then you've got the others where the police are involved. And, but this all comes back to the same narrative to me. We're, we're, we're losing our grip for a whole lot of reasons. And we need to talk about it. We need to under, if we don't talk about it, if we don't understand what's going on, we're never going to get there, people, ever. But, but the Columbus, Ohio thing is an interesting point because when you look at it and you start to look at the headlines, the focus is all on the police officer. See, this is how the media does it. Columbus, Ohio shooting police officer shot and killed a black woman. Teenage girl fatally shot by police in Ohio, you see. Police, Columbus police shoot and kill black teenage girl. That's how it's all set up, you see. Ohio police kill black teenager girl. I mean, it, that's, I mean, think about it for a minute. Think about it. Now these people ask the police to come out there and this is the result. Every headline going is the narrative. Oh, my God, the police are up to no good again. What is the matter with these police? And they're now they're out killing young black people again. What is up with this story? Right. And this is what you see. And this is just a prime example. This is there, there's so many examples like this. that You, you just can't believe this stuff. Yeah. And so and there's a lot to each of these stories. But then just to make my point here. Just in the last you know month or so, I mean, you've had you you had the Atlanta right, the the Atlanta craze, the lunatic there. That was about mid March, about a month ago, uh, roughly, and uh, we went into the Atlanta area massage businesses there and started exit. And these are executions, basically. These are just executions. These are people that have lost their marbles if they ever had any. You see. Uh, there was the other one in Boulder, Colorado, remember? They killed 10 people there at the supermarket. I remember when that one went off, my son said, did you see that one? And my son's 17, he's in high school, and he follows the news very religiously, uh, like his dad does, and he's always seeing these things as well. And and then there was the the Orange, California. That was the uh, there was Southern California, the office building there in Orange, California. The gunman killed four people there and critically wounded a fifth, as you recall there. And then Rock Hill, South Carolina, right? And, and in Indianapolis, you had the eight people killed there, the FedEx, you know. And there's so many of these things. And it, you just don't go by a week or a few days without another shooting. So then we have to ask ourselves, people, what's going on and how do we change this? And, you know, all of these too, and, and all these conversations end up getting very political because you always have political operatives that are trying to uh, monetize the moment, let's call it, right? They're trying to monetize the moment to their agenda. Uh, and that's, that's the sad reality of it. And then the media is lock and step. And this is the problem. I preach to you every day that we've got to get out to America. We've got to get it out there from sea to shine and see people, because if we don't get the out loud truth out there, we are never going to fix these problems as a nation, because you cannot rely on the media in this country. You cannot rely on them in any, any scope here. You, you simply cannot. They all are playing to an agenda. So today on The Voice of a Nation, I want to talk to you and have this conversation about the desensitization of a nation. And we have a couple of very interesting guests on today, uh, interesting folks. And the first one is actually a gentleman who's part of our team nation. First time he's on the new expanded two-hour program. Remember now, you catch us every day, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern time, uh, The Voice of a Nation now. We're two hours every day. And on America Out Loud Talk Radio. 
I hope you're listening on the app, Apple, Android, or Alexa. If not, catch us on iHeartRadio or the media player back at AmericaOutloud.com. Uh, but we're going to take a look. We'll have uh, uh, police expertise a little bit later in the program. We'll take a look at some of these specifics here. I want to start, as I love to start in these kinds of conversations, at 50,000 feet. And we'll do that with the desensitization of a nation with Pastor Stephen Broden is here. And he is the senior pastor at Fair Park Bible Fellowship co-founder of the National Black Pro-Life Coalition and president and founder of Protect Life and Marriage in Texas. And I'm thrilled to say he is part of our team nation. And what I mean by team nation, you've heard me talk about it. It's to get the truth out there. It's to get the, 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 the out loud truth out there. That's what we're talking about here. So it's a terrific to have your voice here in the mix and be part of our uh, plan here, our mission, our passion, uh, Pastor Broden, to get the message out to the American people. When I say the desensitization of a nation, what comes to your mind? Uh, manipulation, um, indoctrination are, are two words that come to my mind. Uh, in order for the nation to move away from its sensitivity to the kinds of things that you're talking about, it has to begin to think differently about those things, starting with life the very value and dignity of life is being redefined in America and particularly evident in how we treat those that are in the womb. The sanctity of life and the value of life in America has been reduced to convenience and necessity. And abortion is an expression of that desensitization that you're talking about that we're killing our children at the rate of over uh, 60 million since it's been legalized in America in 1973. Uh, the rate in the black community today is that we're seeing a, the abortion rate at 1500 black babies a day before the sun goes down is aborted from their mother's womb. Wow. That's a desensitization of a magnitude that is absolutely breathtaking. Yeah, I, let me say to you this, uh, Pastor, when you say 60 million since the inception of this deal, uh, this, this evil deal, uh, basically that's the size of a nation. That's, that's so basically we killed, killed off another country, yeah? Well, well uh, I, that's, I hadn't thought of it like that, but you're absolutely right. Um, and that's just here in America. But the, the exercise of abortion is not, geographically specific to America. It is a global catastrophe mm -hmm. that is being perpetrated upon people across this planet. Yeah, that's a, a, it's a really very interesting place to start this conversation. And I, it's fascinating to me, your mind went right there because it, it, it just opens up the conversation a little bit and expands my mind. I, I, it's got to, to all listeners because what we're speaking about, I think, Pastor, is when we say the, the desensitization, we're talking about why. So when I ask the question, like, OK, so why is all this happening right now? Why are people losing their marbles in the process? Uh, and then you say, well, Malcolm, maybe just look back to the basic fundamental point that we don't value life. I mean, we kill them right in the womb. So what difference does it make? I mean, we kill them in the womb and we kill innocent babies. We can surely go out and, and kill a 15-year-old or a 50-year-old. It doesn't really matter, does it? it? It certainly doesn't have the same uh, 
intensity that it has when we're when we're taking a baby in the womb and we're pulling it out and then we're cutting its spine destroying its brains with scissors that goes up in there and destroy the brains of the child just pull the body out leave the head in and destroy that head shooting down a 16 year old that's nothing mm. Wow, what a graphic image that is, I have to tell you. Wow. Right. That's partial birth abortion that was legal in America. Yeah. I partial mean, birth abortion. It's it's a horrendous practice. Um, you you know about the saline solutions that they push up into the womb that yeah. burns yeah. the baby. It's just all kinds of of Nazi-esque kinds of practices. Mm-hmm. Uh, that are being done in America on babies while yet in their mother's womb. So when we talk about a nation that's lost its sensitivity, mm-hmm. uh, it is a a progression that takes place. So manipulation and indoctrination has been going on. The major institutions in America are all complicit in that they have affirmed, codified, and made legal those things that were once uh, outrageous and um horrifying to us is now common practice. So the nation has lost its moral compass and we are on a pathway to self-destruction if we don't turn this thing around. So what do you say when the left comes back? And I, I I have friends like this in California who would say this to me, Malcolm, my body, my choice, move it along, please. What do you say to those people? Well, uh, they are are uh, imposing their choice and their body choices on me and my family and on the culture. Uh, that imposition is not appropriate. Uh, it is not justifiable. Uh, and we need to, to make sure that the culture understands that there are limits to our liberties and our freedoms. We don't have the absolute freedom. You see, there's a difference between liberty and freedom. Freedom is uncontrolled. Liberty controls freedom. I have a right to exercise my freedoms in the context of liberty. Liberty is defined for us in terms of what is normative and what is practiced in the culture that keeps us all safe, that makes it all practical for us to 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 uh, work, live, and function together. That's liberty. Freedom is that I do what I want to do when I want to do it, how I want to do it, wherever I want to do it. That is chaos. We don't need that. We need to have liberty, and liberty defines the extent to which we can exercise our freedom. I don't have a right to stand in a crowded theater and yell fire nor do I have a right to exercise my freedom by going and taking your wife tonight and saying, you can't have her until I get through with her in the next three months. That's not freedom. That's not liberty. That's chaos. And so your right, your body move along is not acceptable in the public square because you may do something that may be harmful to me and my children and to my family and to my neighborhood. So we as a neighborhood, a family, and a community have a right to regulate your liberty to the extent that it does not impose itself 
on my capacity to be safe and protected. Yeah. You know, I say here our, our tagline, our mantra, our, our mission uh, right here at America Out Loud, uh, Pastor Broden, is liberty and justice for all. That's the, that's the message here. So it's right on the front top of our website. It's everywhere. It's all over our platform. It's, it's the way I wake up in the morning. It's the way I breathe. Liberty and justice for all. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you break down liberty there just a moment ago. Very interesting. And what, what really has got me, every time I think about this in the future, now, here's what you just did. Here's what you just did for me. And I, I, I hope all listeners got this out of this too. But what you just did for me, was big because now when I think of mass shootings and I think of these horrific crimes that are going on out there that don't seem to be stopping anytime soon, right? When this happens and it comes to your mind, what I'm going to think about right then is we've lost the sanctity of life. We no longer value life. We, we kill them in the womb. We kill babies. We have no ch- problem with it. We legitimize it. We legalize it. And then we say, our body, our choice, go away. And so that's what's going to come to my mind. Like, well, like, why should we be surprised? Like, we do that as well. Mm-hmm. And so we don't really, the, the, the bigger thing, I always get to the big point of a story. And to me, this whole thing now, to me, I think we've hit up here, uh, Pastor Broden, is the fact that, hey, uh, we don't value life. And so we are desensitized as a people. But if we don't start getting back to the fundamentals of life and why we're here on this planet, and as I remind people every day, life is a gift. It's a beautiful uh, gift. And, you know, we get at this one shot around here on this planet. And, uh, you know, the, the fact that people don't value life and they shoot and kill people on a regular basis and, and have no, 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 uh, you know, th- th- there's no negative thought in their mind. They don't think anything of it when they go out and do this thing or when they kill their baby, or maybe they do have some bad thoughts, but they've already done it. I don't really know, but it really does come back to the value of a life when it comes to these shootings and abortions. And we've changed, our country is crumbling right in front of us, Pastor Broden. All right. We're we're in the midst of a major transition. Mm. And I think we're at the um, the bottom end at the bottom end of that transition, hmm. we're transisting away from our Judeo-Christian ethic. America was founded on a religious-based heritage of liberty under law, and the Constitution was written to control the government, not the people. We have flipped that in a socialistic paradigm hmm. where the government now controls the people. That was not the intent of the founders, and that certainly is not the intent of our religious heritage. The religious heritage that we have established for us an ethical basis for interaction and for relationships. That has been redefined out of a Darwinistic frame of reference. Darwin now defines life and the value of life. Out of Darwinism comes socialism and communism and Marxism, which are a anti-God system, a system that does not consider the Judeo-Christian frame. And we as a nation have abandoned our Judeo-Christian ethic. And now Christianity is is kind of a a mockery and a, uh, a disparage practice in America and it no longer has the influence that it once had in the public square. 
the result is what you call the desensitization of America. When you take God out of the equation, man becomes the supreme entity and what is right and what is wrong is defined by him. Mm -hmm. Our view of what is right and wrong in America is defined by the power elite. Who are the power elite? They're the ones who control the lever of power in America, in government, in business, and in academia. And all of them practice an atheistic view of life and living. Is there any surprise at all that we're at the point where life has no meaning and value? No, it's not a surprise from a Christian point of view because we see this as the result of the abandonment of our Judeo-Christian ethic. Hmm. And, it, and it's been happening uh, year after year after year. As you were talking, <clears throat> I was thinking back uh, 30 years uh, as a younger man and was thinking, and, I, and of course, I never, I'm worse than the, than the women, Pastor Bowden. I never say my age on here or public or private settings, by the way. I'm worse, <laughs> I'm worse than the women are in that category. But anyways, back as I was not 30. Saying, hey, Malcolm, not saying it doesn't change the fact that you are your age. <laughs> I know, I know. Hey, listen, don't remind me, please, every year that goes by. But listen, uh, yeah, it's, you know what it is? It's, it's my clock that tells me, you know what, it, it's true. Uh, when I say this, this is really accurate. I, I, I avoid age a lot because I have so much to do while I'm on the planet here, uh, Pastor Broden. There's so much I want to accomplish. There's so much I need to do to make right. I believe my mission and passion from God is to do all of these things that I'm doing, but I have a lot to make happen here while I'm here. And so I'm con consciously always reminded of the clock, of the life clock. And I'm reminded of that. So that's kind of how I wake up in the morning. Like, okay, what are we doing today? And it's just the way I look at these things. Listen, I was sharing with you a moment ago as a younger lad, 30 years ago, let's say, uh, you know, I remember the stories. Again, I grew up in the Nazarene church. I grew up in the, the you know, very strict Nazarene church, as you can imagine, Sunday school. And and I and I recall, of course, we, we stood for the flag and we, we said prayer in school and we did all of these things. And uh, but I remember the manger scene at the local Kmart in the neighborhoods at the corner there, you know, and we had the manger scene and that became a real hullaboo. And uh, they were, you know, you can't have that manger scene there. Of course, the ACLU and all the other stuff and can't do that. You're, you're pushing God onto everybody. We just can't have that. So that's been building for, well, 50 years, I would imagine. I certainly seen it myself as a young kid growing up and all of that. What do you say to that? Is that that's what you're speaking about, isn't it? Absolutely. I, but even before then, right. the Scopes trial uh, was a watershed moment for our nation uh, when uh, creationism was taken out of schools, when um, uh, God's view of the creation of man and our anthropology as it is defined in scripture was re removed and replaced with man's definition of how life began. Uh, by time and chance, space and time. Uh, it, it's a chance evolutionary process. And when you take it, that scenario and you put it in the minds of men, young men and women, their view of life is redefined. That's what I said. You said, 
the, the two words that come to my mind as you were talking at the introduction of your program mm -hmm. was manipulation and indoctrination. We have been indoctrinated away from our Judeo-Christian ethic, and we are embracing a humanistic, man-centered philosophy, a philosophy that is destructive to man himself and to this planet, because it has no moral basis from which to determine what is right versus what is wrong. Power at this time defines what is right and what is wrong. I think it was Francis Schaeffer in his uh, treatise that was called, How Then Shall We Live? Ask and answered the question, what happens when the Christian consensus is removed from the public square? Mm -hmm. He answered that a, a power elite will define what is right and what is wrong for the rest of us. That power elite does not do that from the basis of a relationship with an intimate personal God, but they do it on the basis of, of evolution. That they're at the top of the pyramid, they're smarter than we are, they have more money than we have, and they can tell us what to do. That's where we are right now, and that's what America is transitioning into right now with this socialistic paradigm that this administration and the Democratic Party in particular are pushing us. Yeah, they surely are pushing us for sure. It's uh, it's no longer hidden. It's an agenda that's out in the light of day. It's a Marxist agenda. Uh, you know, they the uh, it's all sort of it's 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 uh, it's you know the Democrat Party is no longer the the party as we speak about all the time the the party of JFK. It is the party of Marxists. And they have completely embraced a different um, ideology. Uh, and it's having an impact in our nation because they're fighting us at the grassroots. They're fighting us with the laws that were put in place. Uh, they're fighting us in all of these circles, uh, societal circles and conversations that we're having today. Uh, so very, very important. Now, a couple of things I want to tell listeners here. Uh, we're, first of all, we're speaking to Pastor Stefan Broden here uh, as part of our Team Nation. Now, Team Nation is the idea to bring on uh, national experts like uh, Pastor Broden and, and others. You've heard from others in the last many days. It's part of the new uh, concept and idea here at The Voice of a Nation. What we try to do is to bring you that truth, the out loud truth. Now, I love the conversation we're having. This is so up my alley right now because to have someone like Pastor Broden on and to be able to talk about these things, but to really peel the onion. You know, it's one thing people to get on these kinds of programs and to just scream, rant, jump up and down about shootings and everything that's wrong. It's another thing to get on here and really rationalize the problem and provide solutions back to how we can fix the problem. And that, to me, is where the rubber meets the road. That's what I want to do, because, after all, we are, we are here at this moment, at, on this program, in the fight of good and evil. That is what the voice of a nation and America Out Loud is all about. It's the fight of good and evil. And we represent good here. We, we are on a godly mission to, to make right what is wrong. Uh, that and I can say that to you every day, every day, and we'll, we'll eventually make that. We'll we'll get through to the people, because we're not going to change that narrative. Liberty and justice for all. So now you get a sense of what I'm talking about. Why this all, what this means, as I connect the dots here a little bit for us. You see, and that that's really important. So I think that's what I want you to understand about the voice of a nation and all the cool things we'll be doing ahead. 
it's voices like this that allow us to shine a light where it really matters. Uh, and like you heard from Dr. Ron Martinelli, one of the best forensic voices uh, in the nation just the other day here. And he was magnificent and really put things in perspective with this Derek Chauvin case and other things. That's the kind of stuff we need to really get out and talk about. Get the truth out there, the out loud truth, problem solve, and then move on from there. Fix, fix the problems. Listen, if we're going to preserve future generations, we need to start with this generation right here, right now rest assured. Now, listen, we have put together an entirely amazing program back at America Out Loud. Uh, so you please get over there at americaoutloud.com. We have totally, I mean, you've been watching this now, I'm sure, but we have totally reinvented the platform. We needed to because of our growth. And so the website is brand, it's amazing. It was built from the ground up with you in mind. It's the most friendly user news site you will see on planet Earth because it's, it's, it's ours. It's based on we the people. So it's not based on the oligarchs and, and, and the corporate uh, giants there. It's based on us. So you don't have to keep hitting all those X's and get annoyed with things popping in your face and annoying messages and what have you. And, uh, and a lot of garbage all over the place, like you get on the national news sites because they're a mess. So put a lot of thought into this anyway. So you can sign up for notifications there. And then when there's a break the news story, something, a great story you should read, well, you'll get that in your browser up at the top right-hand corner. Very, very cool. I do that to a couple of news sites I really like a lot. I, I don't give it to everybody. I only give it to special people I want to engage with, you know, special uh, outlets like America Out Loud. I mean, clearly. So notifications is really cool. You can sign up for an email there. Check the whole thing out. You'll see shows. You'll see topics. So read lots of read there. Lots. Of, I mean, you, my God, you get over there, people. You're gonna be stuck there for days. You're not gonna want to leave. There's so much there. And also here, we thank you for being here. And listen, I'm gonna pause here a moment on the Voice of a Nation. We will be absolutely back with Pastor Broden and a whole lot more of this program here in the Voice of a Nation, just after the pause. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. incredible years and we're just getting started well they say time flies when you're having fun well it also flies by when you're on a mission of love love of country that is well our goal is to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity you can listen in on our free apps on apple android or alexa AmericaOutloud.com 
it's a fight for the soul of humanity. The silent majority has spoken. We say, let the silent voices be heard. You can be the voice of change. Contact our producer at Liberty at America Liberty at America uh, We rejoin you here on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. This is Malcolm Out Loud here, the voice of the nation. And uh, thrilled to be with you two hours every day now on the network. Uh, this was a big lift for me uh, with my life to bring on an, another hour of the program every day, but uh, I thought it was important to do at this five-year juncture, having just hit our five-year anniversary, uh, we are celebrating here at America Out Loud, uh, our five-year landmark. And we wanted to make the next five years that much more extraordinary, you see. We want to make a difference out there. And to do that, these are the kinds of things we're doing right here. Now, there are lots of new great programs. My fellow Americans, there are such incredible shows throughout the week and on the weekends that you have got to see. I mean, we're talking top scientists, doctors, engineers, intellects, people, amazing people that are sharing their wisdom. Uh, do what I do. If you're out there gardening on the weekend, take the phone with you, turn on the app or iHeart and let it play. You'll learn and garden, have a beautiful yard and, and also be, be that much more informed as you go. Or if you're out traveling, bring the phone with you and listen in. Over 70% of the people listen on the apps, believe it or not. They're amazing because they work. So that's a great place to listen. But we are on iHeartRadio. We have that amazing media player as well. Listen live. It's The link is right back at americaoutloud.com. All those bells and whistles are on the right side bar there. You'll see them. So very, very easy to connect with us. And again, listen, I always want to hear what you have to think, too. If you've got something you want to add to the conversation, let me give you the email address. Send it to liberty at americaoutloud.com. That's how you get it. Liberty and justice for all, right? That would be an appropriate email address. Liberty at americaoutloud.com. Uh, so we're talking here about the desensitization of a nation, and we're, we're speaking uh, very much with uh, Pastor Stephen Broden, and uh, he's the senior pastor at Fear Park Bible Fellowship. I love this man. I love to have him on. You can see, just listening to him, why, and I couldn't be more thrilled that he is part of our team nation. He wants to get the truth out there and the message out there, and you know what? My role here is to... Uh, make this available. We are a tool for people like Pastor Broden. That's what we're a tool. We're, we, we are God's tool. We're, we're, we're out there to put the out loud truth out there and the message out there. So that's what we're doing. Okay. I want to talk to you about uh, this very interesting piece on um, Pastor Broden that was in the New York Times just in the last couple of days. And I found it interesting. And there's a couple of uh, points here. I think you might be able to uh, uh, ad lib on and, and uh, inform us a little bit more uh, on, but the headline to this uh, article was experts believe a contagion effect could be tied to recent mass shootings. It says some experts believe a contagious effect sometimes seen after widely publicized suicides could be tied to back-to-back -back shootings. And listen to this now, pandemic related trauma and an increase in gun violence as firearm sales increased throughout last year, uh, imagine that, have been serious concerns for reopening, says Jillian Peterson, an associate professor 
of Criminology and Criminal Justice at Emlyn University in St. Paul, Minnesota. And she says this, we do know that those types of mass shootings are contagious, that they tend to spread through things like the media and social media. And she said the people are maybe vulnerable, see themselves in other perpetrators who do this. People who already have kind of their own history of trauma who are maybe feeling suicidal, also in crisis and have access to weapons. They see, uh, they see one make uh, national headlines and there's a copycat effect. So let's talk about the culture again of the desensitization and then what this professor Jillian Peterson talks about in the New York Times about this copycat effect and the desensitization. Because I got to tell you, when your teenager kid comes up to you all the time and tells you like, you know, like it's the corner coffee shop sort of thing that oh, there's just another shooting this afternoon. And my heart sinks every time I hear that, but I'm hearing it so often now, I'm not even sure what it means anymore. What do you think of this, uh, what she says, the contagious effect and the copycat effect? I think that's another source of uh, psycho babble. I mean, uh, look, <laughs> contagious shooting and contagious, that's, that's just, I, you know, I find that extraordinary miscommunication and manipulation of facts and information uh, to produce a result that, that's desired. Listen, we're in the throes of a transition. Okay. Right now, the, 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 the nation is traumatized by this pseudo pandemic. This uh, COVID-19, people are afraid. They're afraid to talk to each other. They're social distancing. They're wearing masks outside when they're uh, walking down the street by themselves. They got masks on. They're driving their cars with masks on. We have been traumatized by fake news, fake science, and now we got fake sociologists and <laughs> fake professors giving us fake information to manipulate us into a pattern of behavior that they are engineering for a result that they desire. I don't trust them. I don't trust what she's saying. I believe we're living in an era of everything being fake. We got fake news, fake science, fake sociologists, fake politicians. Everything is fake. And we yeah. need to be careful as to what we're listening to mm. and the conclusions that they're giving to us, particularly over the media, may not be real at all. We must learn to be discerning and recognize what's happening and why it is happening. I just don't trust that nonsense. Another professor says, using language like, we know. We don't know. We don't know. Why, why this is happening. Uh, it could be that somebody has just lost their marbles. Somebody's out of control. And it doesn't reflect all of us. It reflects maybe a small segment, a small percentage of people who are being adversely impacted by the, the, the pressures that are being created by those sitting at the top of the pyramid who are censoring us, keeping us from talking to one another, regulating free speech in America, yeah, it, all of this is happening simultaneous. And here she comes and say, we know. We don't know anything other than you are manipulating us. That's what we do know. Mm. Well, they make that the narrative again, as I say. They make that the narrative. Uh, that's what they always do to fit an agenda. And the agenda is, and, and it is a great point you bring up, 
uh, that, you know, this sky is fallen uh, mentality, this conversation right. that people are always using, it's, it's very accurate. And that's what they want people to believe, though, isn't it, Pastor? Absolutely. Fear is a great motivator. Amen. It, 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 it motivates us into action. And many of those actions are irrational actions because we're operating out of fear. We're not operating out of a, mm -hmm. a deliberate a, a rationalization or processing of information, but we're being manipulated and maneuvered by our fears. That's why the Bible says, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of love and a sound mind, meaning that we're processing data. We're looking at information and then we're drawing conclusions that way, but not here, not in America, not right now. There's an environment of fear and out of being frightened, we are being maneuvered into actions and behavior and conduct that is irrational. It's irrational. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So I've got a couple of things I'm thinking here. Um, and be before we, you know, it, it's one thing to say wh what comes to my mind again is, well, how do we fix this problem? And uh, I want to come back to that in a moment. But the, the short answer somebody would give and someone like yourself and others I could hear would say, well, we've got to get God. Uh, we've, we've got to put the manger scene back there. We have to get God back in and prayer back in. And But there are those people who have their ears plugged. They're not listening to that. And that's the, for many people, that's not the answer. So then you ask yourself, well, if these screwballs are out there doing these kinds of deeds, how do we stop these screwballs from doing what they're doing uh, and breaking us down uh, as they are? And then the media hops on the wags and well, everybody's doing it because we've lost our collective minds. Well, let, let's put it this way, Pastor, 99% plus of something, 99 point something percent of the people have not lost their minds. Uh, they are very rational and God-loving and maybe not the whole 99%, but they, they're not out shooting people and killing people. But that point something that has lost their minds, that's where the media focuses on. That's what the people focus on. And then before I get to the solution, let me talk about what I'm saying right here, which again, I bring back to you is the desensitization. So when this professor says, well, copycat effect, here's what I want to say to you. You know, the more these things happen, and they are happening at a rapid pace, even if it is that point something, because the point something are getting all the attention. That's where the media hops on, because let's face it, bad news sells. You don't turn it on anymore. Hey, it's a great day. I would love to see a new, it's a great day in America today. Let me tell you what could happen. That news channel just doesn't exist. But let me tell you who got murdered, shot, and, and banged over the head. That's the news cycle, and that's what everybody wants. And you, so that's what we've been sensitized toward. But if, we're, if we talk about, you know, is I guess what I ask you is these constant uh, like, you, well, you said a moment ago, be careful what we're listening to. Be careful what we're watching. Be careful what we're doing. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I preach that every day, but they are listening to talking. The MSNs and the CNNs and the network news and the New York Times, they still have massive audiences. A good part of the country is watching, listening and paying attention to these people. They're not paying attention to us. That's really the problem. We can't get through to those people. So it's then the, the, the second part of that question is how do we get through to them? But the first part of that, Pastor Broden, is, you know, mm -hmm. if these things are happening at a rapid pace that like they're happening, don't some people wake up and say, well, it seems to be um, 
the screwballs I'm talking about now, I'm not talking about, you know, the normal mom and dads here. I'm talking about you wait, somebody wakes up and says, well, you know what? seems like everybody's out there shooting everybody today. I guess I can go do it as well. We see that in theaters and school shootings and other things. Yeah, it's a minute percentage, but they get the focus and the spotlight. So is there the desensitization of those conversations that is causing that effect or isn't there? Um. I, I, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. I, I, I know it is. That's why I asked anything. you and not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, all I can give you is my, my impression on it and that, and that we are being inundated with a lot of bad news and uh, it does uh, trigger, I believe, uh, in some who are uh, less stable than others, uh, a sense of hopelessness and despair mm -hmm. and causes them to act irrational. Um, however, I, I think the word that, that caught me in your scenario there, in your soliloquy, was, was we can't get through. Well, I don't believe that's true. I think we can. I think we can get through. We must believe that we can and, and, and to do it in a way that, that says that we are committed to making sure that our voice get through. I think your network is an an alternative that is in the public square that people can tune into. Uh, and you need to be there so that that alternative can be available to them. And so thank God that you are. Uh, is your platform as big as MSNBC? No, it isn't. But how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You mm -mm -mm. start somewhere and you get the information out there. Yeah. I, I think the solution is information, education, and then activation. I, I've said this to you before on one of your programs. Okay. Information, ask and answer the question, what's going on? We must begin to ask that question, what's happening? And as your network uh, sets its voice in the public square, it must ask and answer that question, what's going on? And we define that for our listeners, what's happening? And for them to make a move to change things, they need to know the what behind the issues that are confronting them. The next question is uh, information education. Education, ask and answer the question, why is this happening to us? We must define the why. Darwinism, socialism, communism, an anti-God spirit, an anti-Christianity um, feeling in the public square. That needs to be given to them as the reason why it is going on right now. Then out of information and education comes activation. Then we define for them what they can do. And that means being more involved in the political process, making sure that we're vetting our leaders, making sure that those who are of like mind run for office so that we can change the direction of this this nation, we're not going to do it on the sidelines. We've got to get involved. And our involvement must take place when we are adequately and sufficiently informed and educated as to why these things are happening to us so that our solutions will re-engage and re-embrace those founding principles that made this nation one of the greatest nations on the planet Earth ever. We are abandoning those principles, but we can gather them back and re-embrace them and re-establish them if we are intentional and not giving up, crying about what we can't do and only looking at what we can do and doing it as best we can 
and passing the baton to our children. Yeah, and, that, and that's how we preserve future generations right there, uh, which I talk about all the time. If we're going to preserve future generations. We've got to get this generation correct right now, or it's not going to happen. Uh, you say a whole lot there uh, as far as um, how to set that, uh, change that trajectory. Uh, I'm thinking here also about the families, uh, Pastor Broden, the families, the relationships that have been broken up and busted up. Uh, for a lot of the things we're talking about. Of course, the country has been traumatized through the whole COVID episode and all the things that have happened over the past, well, year plus. It's been unbelievable. It seems like we are living in an alternate universe somehow. There's things that are taking place you could have never predicted three years ago. All of this would have been happening, and yet it is. So you talk about being at that moment in time. I call it sort of the precipice. You're saying, well, we're sort of at the bottom of this uh, big deal. Well, you know, another way I would say it, Pastor, is it's kind of like a nation. At, at, you know, we're coming in uh, already now at 245 years old. It's like, okay, what are we going to be when we grow up? You know, it's like, okay, we're at the point of, all right, so what is America going to be when it grows up? Because it really isn't grown up yet. It's like a, a pimple teenager, not really knowing what it's going to be yet. And because we are young by standards of nations around the world, for sure. So I look at it that way. But also, Pastor, with all of these, all of these uh, uh, things we're talking about, the people, I, the real uh, principal driving forces here is we've got to get through to the people. We've got to get through. When you, when you talk about the ideas you just put out there, see, if those people aren't listening to us, and you're right when you talk about the MSNBCs and we're America Out Loud, I mean, we're up and coming now. We're the babies in this thing. And so we are a new voice in, in, the, in the nation and, and around the world, because we have people that listen to us from all over the world, a lot of people from Europe and Asia, uh, all over, Australia, uh, New Zealand, get them in all over the place. Uh, so I know we see the communications. Uh, so we are making that impact out there. Of course, I would disagree with you on one big thing. You know, you don't eat an elephant one bite at a time. Uh, that way you eat a donkey one bite at a time, my friend, not an elephant. It's a donkey you eat to, to get away with. You know that, right? Uh, so that's the icon for the Marxist left, right? Uh, so got to change that around a little bit. But uh, it's like the elephant in the room, right? It's the donkey in the room always. That's the problem, it seems to me. But anyways, uh, uh, a moment of levity, perhaps. But so tell me, you know, how do we get through to those people? It's one thing. They're not really listening to us. They're not really uh, playing with us. Uh, these There are folks out there who they are really... Um, uh, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid. That's the best way to say it. That they are drinking the Kool-Aid that's been being put out there from the political operatives you've been talking about on the program, from the media operatives who are gen gender driven. Um, is there any, I mean, we can say, well, you need God in your life. Well, well people say, well, whatever. Or you need to do a better job with your family. Okay, whatever. Or you need to be, you know, how do we really get, we can't really get through to them, can they? They have to get through to themselves, don't they? Right. But, well, they can't. No, we, we play a role. We play okay. a role. Tell me what that is. That, that is providing the information and education that gives them the context through which to act. They cannot act if they don't know what's going on. It's like the, the frog sitting in the, in the pot. That's right. When, when the heat is being turned up, he, he just adjusts to the evil. He's just adjusting to the reality. But if we give them context, and that's your role, you've got to give them context, right. information, that's and education. Right. Yeah. However, yeah. here's what I would suggest okay. to people like you. 
is that you're talking to two audiences. Keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Those who are uninformed and those who are informed. Mm -hmm. It is the message to those who are already informed that causes the uh, movement to take place within the culture to change it. And it doesn't take a lot of people to change. I think it was Samuel Adams who said, it doesn't take a majority to win, but an irate minority keen on setting brush fires of freedom in the hearts of men. It starts with a small group. Stop looking for everybody to move at one time. It's not gonna happen. We speak to those who are already like-minded, already understand the urgency of the hour and are willing to appropriate and apply what is necessary in order to right the ship. Mm. I think it was, uh, it was uh, Vladimir Lenin who said this. He says, it, it, it doesn't, uh, a minority uh, is, I forgot how he said, it. he said, it doesn't take the, a majority but a minority yeah, to change yeah, things. Yeah, it's a yeah, minority. Yeah. Stop looking for the majority. The majority will follow good leadership. Mm -hmm. The majority will, will fall in behind those who are passionate and clear of excited in terms of where they want to go and what they want to do. Mm -hmm. That's where the second voice you have needs to be targeted. The first voice, you're just giving them information. You're giving them context. You're trying to get them to recognize they need to wake up. Mm -hmm. But there's the second group that you're talking to that is already on board. And we're defining, strategizing, and putting tactics together to penetrate the culture and to fight and resist the evil that is coming at us from those on the left. Mm -hmm. By the way, that's what they did to us. They were never the majority. Well, uh, Pastor Broden, I love, moving the I love what you say there, uh, Pastor Broden, love what you say there uh, for lots of reasons. And um, uh, when you're talking about the frog in the pot, I use that analogy a bit here now and then again, because it is a, an old time uh, analogy that does set the tone for what's happening. Um, I, you know, I, what I got out of that is our role here and my role and our role here at the network is to turn that heat down, the flame down and, and get the frog safely out of the pot, I guess, uh, because we use that analogy a bit here. But I love what you say. And, you know, uh, when you talk about the two audiences, I love that as well, because our job is to provide solutions. It's to give some good news out there as well, which I am all over. Definitely want to do that to folks. But I, we also want to be inviting. Like I say, I tell our listeners all the time, Pastor Broden, to please invite your friends and your independents, your moderates, your left of center, uh, the, the JFK, JFK Democrats, those people, the, the blue dogs, invite those people. And I mean, the Marxists are not going to tune in, obviously, not unless they want to see what their enemy is up to, uh, but they won't be here, clearly. But I think the others, they are there and they need to hear these voices. So I love what you say where we've got to keep it going. We've got to keep the candle burning. We've got to keep the light on. We have to keep the message. Because at some point, as you said, one bite at a time, if we do that effectively, we will win in the end, won't we? And the final analysis, yes, we must be persistent. We yeah. must be persistent. Uh, our very destiny is at stake here. And from a spiritual perspective, as a pastor, uh, I issue the warnings of scripture. Mm -hmm. The apostle Paul in Colossians chapter two, verse eight says this, 
See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy, empty deception, traditions of men and the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Jesus Christ. Our marching orders as Christians come from the scripture, the holy word, and from Jesus. We see as he sees, we know as God has made known, and we do what he called us to do. We have an eternal responsibility to the King of King and Lord of Lords. That's why I fight. That's why I'm engaged. Yeah, yeah. And I, I hear you loud and clear. And that's what I'm in it for as well, is to right the wrongs. Uh, because again, we're, we're here for that moment of time. So to recap with Pastor Broden here, we're speaking with, when we talk about the desensitization of a nation, uh, we, we've got to get it right, as he's suggesting, but we, we've also, we've got to keep penetrating one bite at a time. We've got to get the message out there, and we've got to change the narrative, my fellow Americans. Um, listen, keep me uh, in the know, um, Pastor Broden, for what's happening out there. Uh, let us know what's on your heart and how we can make an impact in America, okay? Uh, so this desensitization, again, my fellow Americans, we'll, we'll get more into that an hour or two, but I've got a um, law enforcement professional coming on. Um, I, I want to dive into a couple of these stories specifically uh, with you. Uh, and, and there's a lot more to talk about uh, in bridging what uh, Pastor Broden has just put out there with the current lay of the land and how we can reshape things and ultimately make the difference here. Uh, again, um, I'm going to leave you. We're going to pause here just a moment for the second hour. Stay right with us and we'll see you on the other side on The Voice of a Nation. Heart and soul of a nation beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor, honor, honor. our soul. soul, the challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. We join you back on The Voice of a Nation. It is Malcolm Out Loud here. Uh, we're here every day now, two hours with you, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, catch us anywhere in our nation, from sea to shine and sea, and actually beyond the seas as well. You can catch us anywhere in the world on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Uh, you have the iHeart app. If that you have that in your car or on your phone, you can get us right there. Uh, find us one time, and it'll come up every time. It's like your best friend. It never leaves you, so it's perfect, you know? And uh, so there, but also our family of app holders is remarkably, uh, it's amazing. I mean, it grows every day. We get so many people that are coming to get in that, that app because it works. You know, it's great. You know how when you have an app, and if it works, that's like a real bonus? Well, this app works. Uh, it's on uh, Apple, Android, or Alexa. We're talking about the desensitization of a nation today. We had Pastor Stephen Broden up front, a wonderful gentleman. If you missed that, catch it on podcast. The show goes to podcast the next day, uh, so you can catch that one. And uh, it, you know anything, you, you don't have to miss it. Get it on demand later. In fact, subscribe, by the way, to Apple Podcasts, please. America Out Loud Podcast Network is a whole nother branch here. So be sure to subscribe there as well. And if you do miss us here, we hope you don't, but you get us right there, please. We're available. We're, we're here. 
so, so Pastor pointed out a lot of things about this desensitization of a nation in where we're at, my fellow Americans. And I want to take it, you know, if you really play back what we just talked about, uh, he said some pretty cool stuff. I, I was talking with Kathy, uh, certainly part of our team, Team Nation here, and she'll, we'll hear from her a little bit afterward as well. And I was saying, what do you think? of the past? Well, he did hit on some things we didn't expect, and it was pretty, pretty significant. Uh, so he made a dent in some of the conversations uh, and really woke some of us up, I think. I'm not talking about the woke crowd now. I'm talking about the real crowd, you and I. <laughs> uh, we need to wake the woke crowd up. That's the difference there, you see. Um, but so let's let's dive into this big time now uh, with uh, Lieutenant Joseph Pangaro is here, one of my favorites. Uh, he's a retired police lieutenant. He's a recognized security expert all over our great nation. He's an author, and he also happens to be host of Chasing Justice right here on America Out Loud Talk Radio, by the way. Every day, you can catch him Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. If you like real, authentic host, you'll love Lieutenant Joe Pangaro because he is the real deal and he puts it out there and we're blessed to have him and blessed to have so many cool things happening on this network. Okay, Lieutenant Pangaro, we're seeing all of these shootings happen. Uh, and I'll give you a couple examples here. I'd like to get your opinion on, but uh, there's there's too many here to, uh, I mean, wow. As I was started the program with earlier on, this latest one, let me start there, please, in Columbus, Ohio. And I want to talk to you about this police shooting and the killing of the 16-year-old A girl there was fatally shot by the officer. Now, they called to get the police there and, and said, you need to get over here right away. I mean, I seen the video, heard it and all, and, and it was like they were demanding the police. And I was thinking to myself while that was being said, uh, Lieutenant Joe, that, uh, well, what, what happens, and you and I have talked about this on here before, what happens one day when the police don't arrive? What happens when they don't want to be in that position? What happens when they don't want to be put in jail because they make the wrong decision? What happens on that day when you call in America and you say, well, I need help, 911, and nobody answers? Like, there's nobody there, Joe. And like, because they don't want to go to jail anymore. And now the left have won. The Marxists are in control. And now you got chaos on the streets. And what the hell does it look like here in the United States at that point, Joe? Malcolm, first of all, thank you uh, for having me on today. This is an extremely important topic. You know, if, if we start off with, uh, with the, all the shootings that have been going on, that is a symptom of a bigger picture that, you know, I've been talking about on Chasing Justice. The, the danger we have when we attack our officers like this, whether it's societally as a group where we have now uh, convinced a majority of people that the police are bad, the police are racist, the police are out to hurt people. When you do that, the attack that that has on the individual officer. Because when I when I talk about police officers, these are men and women that are trying to do the right thing. You know, they've chosen a career that is not easy. Uh, they want to do the right thing for their communities. They want to do what's right in life. They want, you know, there is black and white. There is truth and 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 lies. And they want to be on the side of justice and and treat everyone uh, to justice. We care about victims, right? That's what we're out trying to protect. When society attacks law enforcement the way it has you're seeing what they call the Ferguson effect, only now it is gonna be amped up uh, times tenfold. Uh, the Ferguson effect is when an officer is doing his job and the, the, the media and everyone turns it around that the officer was doing something uh, evil and negative on purpose, uh, hurtful, hateful, and police officers do back off exactly what you're saying. Now, 
the what I find unfortunate um, for my brother and sisters in law enforcement is that when it comes down to it, when something serious has happened, they are always going to jump back into the fray. It's everything else when it's not that life and death moment that they're they're going to take a little bit of a backseat because doing your job can get you indicted. Uh, they're taking away the immunity that police have so that uh, officers can do their job comfortably without fear of going to, to going to jail or losing their pensions and their families. Uh, and as that's what we're seeing build up here now. I mean, in the background, when I talk to cops, they're saying, yeah, I'll do what I have to do, but there's no one to back me up anymore. And that is the danger. Yeah, I mean, why would they take a risk? I mean, like, okay, so this officer in Columbus, Ohio, took the risk. I mean, I got to tell you, uh, straight out, Lieutenant Joe, if it was me, and if I was the officer in Columbus, Ohio, and that call came in, and there was, and he's a white officer, by the way, and you have to point this stuff out today, and the, the incident was uh, was a black family, and there was a fight and a brawl, and they were had a knife and was going to stab her to death, and blah, 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 and the officer, they begged the officer to get there, the officer gets there, and then boom, you know, the officer, the, 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 the person with the knife doesn't stop is going to stab the person, kill the person. In other words, you know, one stab to the heart, you're dead, done, over with, kaboots. And so the officer takes the knife and then all of a sudden, what the hell did you do? Now, if that was me, Joe, I, I you know what? I get that call. You know, you, 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 well, you, okay. You almost have to do an interview now. You, here's what's going to happen, Joe. Here's the future 911. 911, yes, operator, or the police, you know, whatever. You know, oh, the police gets on the phone. Well, well the 911 operator, well, is this family black or white, please? What part of the town do they live from? Oh, okay, yeah. Well, I'm a, now if he's a black officer, maybe he's okay. Maybe he doesn't want to go to a white house or a white with a black, because that's what we've made this about is black and white. So, or, or blue and white and black with the blue with the police or the bad and the black and the white, whatever. And he's going to say, well, you're going to have to interview people in the future, Joe. Well, who's the family? Can you send me something about them first? Let me see. Have they ever contested anything before? Well, let me know and I'll get back to you and let you know if I can arrive there in time. Is that what we're looking at, Joe? Well, I know you're being facetious there, but it's it's not that far from the truth. I, I And this is what I'm saying. When it comes to serious things, our officers are always going to jump into the breach and take the chance. It's in that in that instance, when you look at that, this is when people talk about having to make a decision in a split second that people then go back and look at over and over right and wrong. If that officer who answered that call and saw that young lady wielding a knife, swinging it at people, if he would have stepped out, excuse me, miss, would you please put down the knife? <laughs> Ma'am, would you stop? Meantime, she stabs three other people. What is everyone going to say about that officer? Oh, he didn't care about those people because, you know, he didn't take any action. He was just yelling at her. She's swinging a knife. He did what police officers are trained to do. You can use deadly force to protect yourself or a third person from imminent bodily harm, serious bodily harm or death. Somebody waving a knife around at other people is an imminent threat of death. He had very few choices there. You know, and, and they say, well, he killed one girl to save another. How is that fair? Well, the girl, as far as we know, the girl with the knife was the aggressor and an aggressor makes a choice. Right. And then the officer has to try and determine who's the aggressor here. Well, the one swinging the knife is I have to save the person who doesn't have the knife. And they take that action. And this officer took action that we are trained to take. And now he's going to be questioned that he did it because I, know, I guess he I guess he hated the girl. That's why he shot her. Because, you know, he probably woke up that morning and said, hey, I can't wait to go kill some young girl today. I hope I get a call where I can do that. 
that is that is so absurd to think that police officers think that way. This man will be affected by this for the rest of his life because of the fact he had to pull that trigger, right? Even though he's justified, he did the right thing. And a court, of course, would look through that, but I, I, it looks justified to me. He's going to have to live with the fact he took another person's life. Add to that the fact he took a young person's life, right? This is going to weigh on him forever. And just like it weighs on every cop who has to use force, especially deadly force. But then it also, the reaction that we're getting now that we're seeing, this is what's going to make officers question what they do. You know, Malcolm, in police work, we're taught the 21-foot rule. Now, somebody with a blade, blades are extremely dangerous. And somebody with a blade, if they're within 21 feet of you and they decide to come at you, uh, it's almost impossible for you to draw your weapon and fire. Now, you say 21 feet, that's so far. It's a split second. And that's where these decisions have to be made in a heartbeat based on what you see in front of you, which is the reason that police departments traditionally have had qualified immunity. If the officer is acting within the color of the law and their job and they make a decision, we have to give the benefit of the doubt to the, to the officer. Otherwise, we don't have anyone out there to protect us because they're all going to think, wait, maybe I shouldn't shoot. Maybe let's see if she actually stabs somebody first. What if that's your daughter that she actually stabs in the neck and kills? These are Society has made this such a mess with this woke culture and this anti-police culture. Do the police need to reform? We can always reform. There's always changes we can make to better serve the public. But this outright attack on law enforcement is slowing our cops' reaction time down. It's slowing down their desire to be proactive. And it's proactive police work that keeps us safe, especially in high crime neighborhoods. Well, the, the police, uh, eventually, we're going to see that they're not going to come to any of these these uh, incidents uh, because they know their life is at risk. They're not going to take the, make the chance or the, the choice that you just suggest that has to be made. Um, you know, and according to the media, as a case in point here, Lieutenant Joe, uh, the media says the reason the white officer killed the, the, the young teenage girl is because she's black. Uh, that's so this is again it comes to race but if you look at the headlines uh columbus police shoot and kill black teenage girl this is how all the headlines are now uh, ohio police kill black teenage girl uh you know uh, uh police shooting officer kills 16 year old black innocent young girl um, you know, it, it's on and on and on. Yeah, I've got them on NPR, ABC, NBC, NYT, all of them. Uh, you know, it, it, there's a there's a myriad of Reuters, you know, Ohio police kill black teenage girl. Um, you know, oh, right. uh, you, you see, I so said, what the hell do you think the public's going to believe? What, what are you going right. to I mean, hear? The police are bad again. They're up to no good, Joe. And it's the narrative, Malcolm. It's the gasoline on the fire. How about you just switch that around and you look at exactly what happened there? Police officer saves exactly. young victim from knife wielding fiend. Right? How about we turn 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 that around? What was that girl doing? Coming after people with a knife? She could easily kill any one of them. She could have killed many of them, injured them permanently forever. Why is that not the story? That officer saved all those other young people around her who were being attacked. Suddenly, she's a saint who just happened to be waving a knife trying to kill people, uh, and that was perfectly okay. And the officer made the wrong decision. Yeah. This is. 
this is our narrative because that's that self. Well, that's what they do. And that's what's happening. But Joe, they're not going to change that. But here's really what I'm wondering and thinking like, like this thing is on, on hyper speed right now. Uh, the, the, the shootings that are happening all the time, anytime they're under a microscope, a magnifying glass, anytime the police officer's involved in anything that's black and white. Now, if a black on black kills somebody, everybody's cool with that or white on white, everybody's cool with that. We don't have a problem within the race killing each other. That is not a story, Lieutenant Joe. So this we cannot cover. But if you happen to be any sort of uh, beyond white or Tony beige, uh, black, brown, whatever it is, that's a story. And we're all over this, man. And we're going to, I mean, this should be clear to anybody. I mean, anybody at any level of intellect should understand what's happening here. The core issue of this is there's an agenda here and it's, it's a racist agenda and it's to divide the people. It isn't about security or safety or policing. It isn't any part of that. This is rubbish. But Joe, at some point, you got to tell me something when you say, well, that's what police officers do. Well, Malcolm, come on. I know you're being a little sarcastic. You're being a little, that's what, but Joe, I got to tell you something. If you're a police officer today, and you look at what's happening. The script has been written ahead. Before you even arrive at that event, at that incident, at that place, at that home or that business, the script has already been written, Pangaro. You can't tell me. Uh, fast. This thing keeps going at the pace it's going right now. For real. We come back a couple of years from now. I don't know, two years from now, five years from now. Can you tell me that the police are still going to be willing to go to those homes and end up being arrested, lose their life, jailed, prison, because they made a wrong snap decision that didn't satisfy the media quo and the political operatives. Joe, I'd say, are, are people stupid enough to, are, are police officers stupid enough to do that? Are you, are you, let me just, I gotta put that, I mean, are they stupid? I mean, if this thing keeps going like it is right now, are you telling me two, five years from now that the police are gonna be stupid enough to still go out to that incident? And are they, is that what's gonna happen? No. That's not what's going to happen. What you're going to see is there's going to be a drastic change in how police services are delivered because we are now, we've always known, we've always known that you can be caught up in something controversial, uh, but if you were doing the right thing, you could count on the courts backing you up. You could count on calmer heads prevailing, sifting through the facts and seeing what actually took place. You can't count that on anymore. The officers today cannot count on that today. What they can count on is no matter what they do, if it creates a stir, the administration will turn against them. The uh, politicians will turn against them. The media will turn against them. And five years, this cannot maintain itself at this pace, not just law enforcement. Law enforcement, what we're seeing now, the attack on them is a symptom of a bigger, bigger problem in our country. Our country is rattling down the road now and it cannot maintain itself like this. We are at each other's throats literally every single day. We can't have a conversation. You, you get canceled if you make a comment free speech is now considered uh, hateful and something to, to put someone in prison for. All of our basic rights, we have turned the entire state nation upside down as to what's right and what's wrong. And that, Malcolm, along with your question, cannot continue. It will not continue. It will come apart before then. Joe, I, yeah, I wouldn't do it. I, I'm sorry, but I, I, I agree with you. No, I don't, I don't think it continues either. If they, because if they do continue, the way I see it, then I don't look at them as heroes anymore. Then they deserve what they get. If we can, if the police and, and let me say, Joe, this isn't a, this isn't a. Uh, I know this isn't a feel-good conversation, so I'll put that out there ahead. My disclaimer. But Joe, at some point, law and and here's what I'm going to say to you, brother. At some point, law enforcement has to come together. 
and they have to say, you know, what are we doing? And, and then law enforcement, let me explain to folks, law enforcement is black, white, brown, yellow. They come in all kinds of colors. They come in God's rainbow of people colors, you see? That's a beautiful thing about law enforcement. They, they're not just one particular origin of person. They, they reflect uh, the beautiful and diversity of America. America is a great nation because it's a diverse nation. America is a great nation because of diversity of opinion. Uh, America is a great nation because we, we love other people. We, how boring would it be if we all looked the same? That's what makes America. And, and we thought the same. No way. I don't want that. That's the cornerstone of this show and this network, Joe. We want to hear people's opinions and their thoughts. Absolutely. But that's what makes our nation great. And so I see this eventually. I think, well, actually, I think right now, police need to come together and they just say, okay. And, and I, you know, Joe, I'll say to you this. It's almost time now and for a national conference of sorts. And I certainly would help put this together or be a, do a whiteboard exercise or do some sort of a, a, a deal on this and do a white paper on it and send it to our politicians and governors. I've talked to you before about this sort of a concept, but uh, it's a think tank sort of thing, but mm -hmm. not with political operatives. But I'm talking about it, it. So at some point, like, all right, it's time for policing to come together and the policing uh, people, the family of police, you know, say, OK, so what do we got here? What are we doing? Because, you know, you look at this case in Columbus, Ohio, to me, that's point, that's evidence window number, that's 101 here in this whole conversation. You know, they beg the officer to get out there, the officer gets out there, the officer saves the woman's life and the officer now, they're, they're, they're picketing, crowds are gathering in the neighborhood there. Uh, is that all, you know, because, oh my God, the police officer fatally shot the girl, the young innocent little girl in Columbus, Ohio. And so now the, the crowds are gathering and now you've got another movement and pick it in and all oh, that, you know, the pigs in the street or fry them up in a pan or whatever, the Black Lives Matter movement and all of that. You know, Joe, it's like, so why doesn't police come together and say, you know, we, not only do we need some new rules of engagement, but I don't think they're going to want to participate anymore. Why would you put yourself in danger? You know, my son said to me, uh, oh, this, you know, my son, as you know, Joe, now he is 17 years old. Uh, in fact, he'll be 18 later this year. And uh, I think that's when they, uh, you're, you're an adult at 18 now, aren't you, Joe? It's 18, you're supposed to be an adult, right? Not 21. Right. Yeah, so 18 years, well, you can't, well, you can't drink, you can't drink till you're 21, but eight, right, it's weird. That's correct. You're an adult at 18, but you can't drink. That's <laughs> weird. Right. Uh, but you can get hot, you can smoke weed and you go into the military, you can shoot people, you can do all kinds of stuff, but you get, it's kind of strange how we do this thing here. But anyways, neither here or there, I guess. Just a weird uh, uh, thought process. And um, so he, he said to me uh, over the past years, thinking about his future life, as you tend to do at 17, 18 years old, you know. And Joe, I had a conversation with him oh, a few weeks back. And I, and I, and I know he's, he's antsy about college. He's antsy about his decisions, about what he wants to do. And I'll share with you. Oh, this past year, about a year ago, he wanted to be, he was really thinking about being a police officer. He had a lot of thoughts. So, well, he sees the impact we do here on the network. He knows my friends and who I hang with and what we have. So, you know, I'd really, and, and he loves this whole thing. He's a, he's a great uh, a mind, a conservative mind, loves America. And he's thinking, you know, I'll really think about being a police officer. And then, and then Lieutenant Joey's thinking, you know, and then he's thinking, well, and then of course, with all this policing unraveling, He's not so sure anymore. It's going to be his forum. He's kind of spooked, I think, about it. Now, of course, I told him I'd support him, whatever his decision is. 
And then the next thing I know, he's talking about the military. You saying, well, you know, maybe I'll join the military. Maybe I'll do a couple of years of college first, get the, get the, uh, the, the easy degree there, and then, you know, join the military. Maybe, maybe think of maybe the army or the Marines or something. He's talking about that. I said, okay, rather than law enforcement, maybe that's a better road. And I said, well, we really need to see where the politics are going in this country. I said, uh, my, uh, my son, I said, we got to really see what's happening because uh, I don't have a lot of faith and confidence in our political leaders. I said, I'll tell you what, why don't you settle in for the two years of school right now? Let's figure out what's going from there. Then you can make that decision a little bit later. You're not rushed, okay? And, and he said, it's probably a good idea. But now he spooked with the law enforcement thing. I said, thinking about the military, what do you think? What, what kind of advice would give a kid like that? Well, I, I have to tell you that, um, you know, I have an 18-year-old son myself and I have some older boys and they went into other kinds of things. Uh, I didn't push them into law enforcement because it was changing even as my career was winding down. Your son seems like a decent young man that wants to do right by his community, which is amazing. But the fact that he, he's concerned about going into the career, I would agree with him. Uh, in law enforcement, we talk about something, you know, there's there's way things go. You can plan for a call to go a certain way. We can train for that. But in reality, because we're dealing with human beings, a police call can go sideways at any second, which calls for immediately changing your actions, your tactics, what you're doing, what the people are doing to you. And unfortunately, today, uh, things go sideways you're probably going to be held liable for whatever happens that you didn't handle it perfectly. Uh, I know here in New Jersey, we have, uh, you know, one of the finer law enforcement agencies uh, in the country, the New Jersey state police. And normally when they have an opening for a hundred or 200 troopers, they'll get five or 6,000 applications. Wow. Well, they have an open for the, an opening right now, I think for almost 200 troopers. And I think they just had over a thousand applications because people are just saying, what am I, why am I going to go into this career? Why would I put myself at risk now of, you know, not just uh, it's not just getting in trouble, but now you could be let off in handcuffs for doing your job because it didn't come out right. Now, the You're cabinet, talking about a 70, 80 percent drop in the uh, yes. perspective, perspective yeah. uh, offers that. Wow. And, and I think that's across the board. When I talk to lots of people, they're saying, you know, uh, I don't know if this is such a good career to go into anymore. Um, you know, when we had support and you, you did the right thing and it went sideways, there was an understanding that, you know, these are not just rogue individuals that put on guns and go out in the street to do whatever the hell they want. We, the people, put them out there to enforce the laws we demand are enforced. And then when they do it and it doesn't come out perfect, we're, we're holding them to account. Now, the caveat, just like you say, Malcolm, Malcolm, we have to put out there, yes, there are some officers that do the wrong thing. We have to identify them and get rid of them. But the overwhelming majority of police officers out there are doing the right thing every single day, trying to do the right thing. But sometimes it goes sideways. Sometimes in that split second, you have to make a decision. And maybe there was something else you could have done, mm. but you did what you did. And now they're going to be hauled off and say, you know, rethought a million times. Well, why didn't you do this? And why didn't you do it? Matter of fact, we're going to charge you for what you did. Mm. That is going to have a chilling effect on proactive police work which is where all crime is pretty much solved. So, so if you uh, want to take your chances that you'll call an officer and they'll get there on time. Uh, what I say on my show all the time recently has been, maybe we want to rethink what we expect our officers to do. Maybe we should turn them into just report takers. You know, you get shot, you get stabbed, you get raped, and you'll call the officer. And when the officer comes, you just tell them what happened and they will, uh, they'll write the report. And then uh, if you identify a suspect, maybe we can send the suspect a letter. Hey, listen, 
Uh, if, if it's convenient for you, can you turn yourself into the precinct? Uh, you know, if it's convenient, if it's not, you know, we really wish you would do that. Is that where we're kind of going to? Because other than that, people don't want to get arrested for things and they fight back. And when the cops uh, respond, they're seen as wrong now in almost every instance, which is uh, absolutely chilling and horrible for men and women. So for your son, I would say get an education, pay attention to see how things go in the next couple of years before you jump into something right. that is um, maybe not maybe not the best career anymore. Yeah, that's the advice I gave him. It sounds like that's uh, really uh, the advice you're giving right there. And uh, I got to make sure he hears this program so he gets what's going on. Yeah, I, yeah, I think he'll do the right thing. I feel like he will uh, and make the right decision for him. And, you know, I, I, I shared with him as well when he had this conversation with me recently because I could feel his stress he was putting on himself. And I said, listen, listen, you're not in a hurry here. It, you, uh, I'm not throwing you out or anything when you're 18. Do not worry about it. I got your back. I said, you're fine. I said, you take the time you need to figure it out. I said, you'll be fine. I have your back. And I, I wanted him to know that, uh, that, uh, you know, it's not like the, I, I think th these things come into their minds, you know, like, oh my, I, I, he didn't say this, but I think he's thinking, well, oh my God, I'm going to be 18. Like, does that mean like I'm on my own or something? Like, you know, am I like, I'm, I'm an adult. It's like, I just asked Lieutenant Joe, like, does that, does that mean I'm an adult? I mean, you know, like look at it at my age, I'm still not an adult. People call me a juvenile delinquent, <laughs> which of course I always consider a compliment, but you know, but anyways, um, so I, I think, you know, it, it's, uh, it's interesting. Well, I'll be curious to see where he goes with it. And, and it is his decision. I don't ever force my uh, decision on anybody. Uh, I've never been that way. I think people have to be responsible for the choices they make in their life, whatever it may be. Um, it's not my choice, uh, tr truly. I can guide help, him, give him advice, help, whatever the case may be, uh, with the right intentions in mind, but that's it, you know? You know, Pangaro said something there that bothered me, uh, that I'm going to share with you in a moment. And uh, he said something a few moments ago that really annoys the hell out of me. And I want to share it with you now. And I want to talk more about this in, in a moment here. And I'm going to bring on Kathy Chamberlain and, and uh, just after the pause as well, part of our team nation and talk a little bit about this, but th this really burns a hole in me. And when, and it, and it said a lot out there and he just said it as well as a police officer with respect, he said it, but it still annoys the hell out of me because they always have to qualify it when they say this. And it's a qualifier factor, you know, like, and it was this, well, you know, by far and large, the profession is pretty good. You know, you know, there are some bad cops in there for sure, but 99% of oh, they're really good people. And, but you know, it's just the few, we got to get them out of there. And that statement just bugs the hell out of me. I mean, it really gets at my gut to say, what are you talking about? I mean, and you hear that every day. You hear from pundits, you hear from a police officer right here. You hear from all well, let me tell you what that means. It means that by far, well, we know what it means, but why are you saying it? Well, you see, and now I'm, I'm going to tell you why it bugs me. And it, it really, every time I hear that, it's like it goes right through my soul. And I say, oh, stop saying that, please. I'm going to tell you why in just in a moment here. But let me tell you as well. Thank you again for joining us here at 5 to 7 every day Eastern time here. The voice of a nation. Happy to be with you for the couple hours here on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. Again, 
We are a haven for patriots. We are a haven for people who love our Constitution. We are a haven for certainly conservatives who love America. Uh, we're a haven for people who love people. We're a haven for people who love free speech and diversity of opinion and diversity of thought of all types. That is what we are here at America Out Loud. And so you can feel at home here. And we're going to pause a moment, be back with more Voice of a Nation just after this. Listen to Malcolm, the voice of a nation, on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. The America Out Loud family is comprised of patriots in the true sense of the word. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty and the Constitution to help save America for future generations to come. AmericaOutloud.com It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Now, never before in our history have we witnessed the level of hatred that is now being waged against our law enforcement. While anarchist groups create havoc and overwhelm our first responders, these same groups and their corporate supporters are calling for the police forces to be shrunk and defunded. What can you and I do to make a difference? How can we stand up for what is right and to show our support? That's what I'm going to tell you about this incredible new platform. It's called ShopToTheRight.com. It's a new shopping platform that will help you Find businesses that align with your values. They feature products made in America. They support veteran-owned businesses as well as our law enforcement community. This is a time when we need to stick together. We need to shop together and we need to support each other. It's time for you and I to make some noise and stand up to protect our country. And one easy way to do that is to shop and give our money to companies that don't seek to destroy our way of life. So join the fight for liberty. ShopToTheRight.com. Support those American businesses that support law enforcement and veterans. So what really bothers me is when they say this, this, you know, well, by far and large, they're pretty good in the profession. Uh, but, but for the most part, but, but there are some bad apples in there. We need to get them out of there. And you hear that a lot. Don't you hear that a lot? It's like, it's a qualifier factor for law enforcement. Like they, in other words, you see, this is what really, irk, it, it, the media has done so much damage psychologically to all of us. We now have to qualify. Well, we weren't saints after all. 99.9% might be okay, but we know there are some. It's like, do we go around saying, you know, like, uh, okay, you know, we need to qualify all the plumbers. Do you know there are some bad apples that are in the pl that are plumbers? Do you, do you know that? There are some bad apples. Do you know there's some bad apples that are doctors? Did you know that? Some need to be brought up on charges, in fact. But, but by far and large, the profession is good. We just need to find the bad apples and pull them out. So why are we qualifying that now with law enforcement? That's the go-to argument. Because we now have to qualify the damage the media has done, don't we now? Well, they're not all racist. Oh, my God. 
You mean they don't all want to kill us? Oh, my God, come on. So, well, by far and large, they're decent people like you and I, but we got to get the bad apples out of there. Are we going to get the bad apples out of every other profession? I wonder. How many other professions are bad that we need to get the apples out of? Anybody got a, got a guess on that? Kathy Chamberlain, what's your thoughts on how many other professions do we need to get out there to shake up and say, how many bad apples out there? How many do you think? Well, we've already done it quite a bit. Think about it. Uh, first off, uh, I was just, uh, when I was listening to Lieutenant uh, Pangara, I don't know why, but my mind raced back to the time Kamala Harris, who is now our VP, uh, was, uh, in, uh, was questioning uh, one of the uh, uh, ICE leaders in Congress and basically likened ICE to the KKK. Do you remember that? Oh, yes. And then also, I mean, right now, of course, all patriots are being uh, the narratives changing to the fact that they are the terrorists, not Antifa. And uh, of course, uh, we're doing the same thing to our military, if you think about it, right? When they've changed all the rules of engagements on them. So they're also in a position of do I shoot first or get shot at? Uh, so this is going on all over. But it's interesting because. I actually did a speech in a city that had just defunded the police. And um, I did my research first because about 300 people showed up. And I was kind of trying to galvanize uh, blacks and whites really on this issue because if uh, the what the polls say is 81% of the black population do not want to defund the police. So right. I, I did this speech and and I, I called the rally Blacks and Whites Unite for Blue, which I think really is the solution to a lot of this problem. But the interesting thing is I did my, my research and I found that these studies from the FBI's own uh, website don't justify calling police uh, departments systemic racists um, at all. I mean, it's so far removed from the truth what what they say so i even looked up as a writer i always like to get things right and i looked up the word systemic even though in my mind i know what it means <laughs> you know but i i just wanted to make sure doing this speech. i do the same thing from time to time Kathy. what does that word really mean again let me look it up in webster's dictionary man and see what it is uh, well, let's I'm sorry, I, I just want to finish this quick if you don't mind. I wanted to um, explain to the crowd what systemic actually means. Right. And it really means the entire uh, department is racist. So when you start from that, uh, from that definition, none of it makes sense. And yet, after my speech, one of the most prominent Black conservative leaders in the city I was speaking at came up to me and I know this woman um, and told me I should never talk about that again because as a white person, I have no idea That's it. That's what exactly, it means. Yeah. And yeah. that effectively silenced me for a short period of time. Mm -hmm. But then I went around asking other black leaders and they said, no, do not stay silent. And more white people have got to be unapologetic yeah. about it. There are a lot of people who think that way. Actually, that doesn't surprise me at all. What you said there with that person that came up uh, whatsoever. Um, you know, uh, the uh, systemic racism comment in business, Kathy, 
Uh, it's beyond just, well, the police departments. Uh, again, there are the operatives out there who have painted the entire country as, uh, back to all of us, all of us, some of us, or some of us are good, some of us are not. They've got the whole nation as a systemic racist nation, uh, which is America, uh, the United States of America, that is, which is mind blowing in itself. But that's where the Kamala, Kamala, Kamula uh, Harris's come in, or the 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 Joe uh, Bidens. I, I'm going to leave the adjectives off of that. And a lot of my circle of people, they have all kinds of adjectives and names for Biden. Um, but anyways, it's it's irrelevant here. We're not going to do the name calling or what have you. Uh, Lieutenant Joseph Pangaro joins us back here. He's right here. Lieutenant Joe, I call out that statement because it just really hits to my soul. And I was sharing with Kathy to get that view. But, you know, it's like we don't call out the plumbers. We don't call out the ministers. I mean, you look at the look at the church. Look at how many bad ministers or pastors there are that do bad things. You want to start calling out people. Or how about the Boy Scouts of America? You want to talk about, you know, the kind of damage these people have done. Uh, you know, but yet they don't get the same treatment law enforcement gets with, well, we got to qualify it like we got to get the bad apples out of there. How about we get the bad apples out of the church, Joe? How about we get them out of the Boy Scouts? How about we get the bad apples out of the plumbers? I'm tired of a bad plumber coming in and giving me some grief. What do you say to all that? Well, Malcolm, I, I find it uh, interesting that uh, this kind of a thought would offend you. Let me let me give you some some insight into why. Uh, a police officer especially would say something like law enforcement is a different type of profession than a plumber or a vegetable salesman or uh, a car salesman or anybody who does anything else in society. Our society right now, uh, law enforcement uh, enforces laws, can stop you, can change your life, can arrest you, has the power of life and death if they need to use deadly force. So the reason that I qualify it with that is because what I have found over the course of time is if you have an opinion and people will not listen to your opinion because they lump you in with, well, you must all hate everyone. You must all be racist. You must all think uh, you're always right and this and that. If you don't qualify that with an understanding statement, then listen, I get it. There are some officers that do the wrong thing, but, and, and I don't like saying it myself. I, I really don't like saying it myself. But at the same time, if you don't say a thing like that, you start out in a negative with people, you know, just disregarding anything you have to say. Once you accept that, hey, listen, I get it. I hear what you're saying. I'm concerned about that also. Then you can move forward with the conversation. And while it is uncomfortable and it is infuriating to hear as a person in law enforcement and, and who teaches and wants to make sure, uh, you know, when I write that people understand I'm trying to do the right thing and bring us together and find understanding, you have to have credibility. And unfortunately, whether I demand that I have credibility, that means nothing to the people I want to listen. They have to feel I have credibility. And to do that, we have to listen to each other and acknowledge each yeah. other's points of view, whether we like it or not. Uh, and that's really what that is, an acknowledgement that I get it. I understand you see it a certain way. I see the same kind of things, but here's what reality is. So that's why I, I qualify it specifically. Yeah. Oh, I, I know exactly why you do it. No, no, I, I totally agree with what you say there, 100%. The comment or the point I make uh, over the break uh, actually wasn't pointed to you, by the way, uh, to, to be sure here. And I don't know how many listeners understand Malcolm's sarcasm or not. Uh, <laughs> but the, the point of the whole point, my friend, is to bring it up how shallow we are as a people that we're now pointing out. And, and I get the idea of law enforcement, but there are plenty of other industries that impact our lives and do things, as I say, just the, the, the church and the Boy Scouts would start that list uh, and can destroy and screw up lives at a moment's notice. 
My point is, why don't we pull out the bat out of every profession? If that's our motive, if that's, I'm, I'm getting to the core fight of good and evil is all I'm talking about here, Joe. And, right. I, and I'm, try, I'm trying to, I'm, try, I'm a little annoyed and tired of alienating, isolating our brothers and sisters in blue uh, because they happen to take this dangerous profession. And now we're making a mockery and making a jackass industry out of the whole thing. So then people like my son want no part of it. And the kids coming up and like you say, recruits are down 75, 80% in New Jersey. Jersey, uh, well, then what do we expect when we went around saying, well, we got to get all the bad apples out of the air? And it's just we've now dumbed everything down to the media sound bites is all I'm saying. So maybe the better way we need to ask that as professionals and as talkers, you and I, maybe we should answer that back in the future and say, yeah, sure, sure. Why don't we get the why don't we get the bad apples out of every damn profession? Why don't we go after all the evil people? How about we do that? How about that, Joe? Well, I'm not opposed to that at all. Um, if, if there's a plumber who rips people off, I just can't use him. Uh, I have no choice when, uh, you know, the lights are behind me. Of, 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 I don't want to stop for this officer. I'll go to another town. That's a, that's a, yeah, yeah. So that's, I love that's it. kind of the deal. You know, our schools is yeah. the same thing. We look at our schools. Maybe we're not happy with yeah. what goes on with the curriculum. If we live here, we get together and we go in and we say, no, we don't want that to be taught to our kids or whatever. Yeah. That is where we, you know, we don't have much choice about that. So it's jobs like that, mm-hmm. that we don't have choice about our, our our yeah. service providers, that that's where those kind of things really, really come into play. Yeah. You know, Joe, I, Joe, I got to tell you something. Uh, oh, last month I was, I took a few days and took my son, he and I up to the mountains. I got to tell you to get him just for a few days while we were doing all the scrambling here and work in the backdrop. I, I took about four days, took him up to the mountains, just, just himself and I, and, uh, and, and it was really good. But on the way up, I think it was on the way up there, I got stopped for speeding uh, from the cop, right? And, and I, I was pretty well a good boy for the most part. You, you follow traffic and stuff. But, you know, I definitely have always had a heavy foot all my life. I, well, I'm out loud style, Joe. What the hell do you want from me? I mean, you know, come on. I want to get there, right? I got stuff to, stuff to do. And um, so I'm driving and I was stopped. And I was doing pretty good because I really wasn't in a hurry here. And I, it's not like I was on a fire sale. But I went to, you know how it is, Joe, when you go to pass somebody on the internet? Now I'm going to give you the excuse. I'm ta- Now this is Malcolm talking to a law, a law officer here. Uh, I don't want Lieutenant. Pangaro to leave the show here and think I was a complete ass today, just a partial ass. So, Joe, I'm saying to you that, you know, as a police officer, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, when you're on a highway and you're driving up and you go to pass somebody, so you speed up to go around them? Sure, of course. Okay. I want to make sure I'm making sense because I did that. And right, I was driving. Everybody does. All right. Well, listen, listen, because I was in the flow of traffic, but then I pulled out to get away from traffic and I pulled around the traffic and I was probably because the traffic, you know, the, the speed limit is 70. But, you know, the people are doing 80. You know what I mean? For sure. Right. For and sure. When you pull around them, you're doing 92. Exactly, <laughs> my friend. And that's what happened. You nailed it. And I went around the guy and then the police officer said, oh, my golly. And then I you know, I slowed down and said, OK. And then sure enough, the cut. I haven't seen those lights in a while. I've been a pretty good boy, actually, in recent years, which is amazing because I've certainly had my share of tickets. Uh, but um uh, so, oh God, I got stories. I can tell you one time, Joe, we'll do that over a cocktail one time. Okay. Sure. And but your uh, point, Malcolm, your, your point, you delve into an area that I think is, is germane to what we're talking about here. You know, you were safe, right? Did you crash your car? Did you crash into anyone when you did that? No, no, no I was in total control. Right. But listen, when I got to tell you what the officer did, so I pulled over, the officer comes to the car and I said to my, and I was saying, of course, it's my son there. I'm a little embarrassed now. I broke the law, Joe, number one. Two, I'm sitting with my son in the car and he's saying, okay, what, how's dad going to handle this, you know? 
And he looks at me and I said, I take out the stuff and I said, oh man, what a great way to start. It was on the way up because I said, what a, what a great way to start this trip, huh? I said, and I blamed myself. I kicked myself in the ass for being so stupid, you know? And so the officer comes up and I, I start chatting with the officer. I said, uh, I said, yes, sir. Good afternoon. He said, where are you speeding? He said, what are you in a hurry for? I said, well, sir, I'm not. I said, I'm just taking some time to break away and get up. And obviously I went to pass somebody and went a little higher than I should have. And he said, well, I need to see your insurance. And I, you know, I was doing what you said about 90-ish maybe or something like that. I don't know what it was. Maybe, I'm not sure, 88, 90, maybe not. I, you know, I don't remember. But I was definitely over the speed to get around the car. And I said, I apologize. I said, can I, uh, you know, uh, can I buy a vowel? No. <laughs> <laughs> can I buy a vowel, sir? <laughs> I like to, I like to name that puzzle, please. Well, the officer looks at <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I love, I love to have a good time with folks. And he, he laughs, he chuckles. But, but you know, listen. So what happens is, I thought for sure it was going to be a ticket. I had no doubt about it. It was going to be a good one too, because you know, when you're at that, li- it's going to cost you, and it's going to cost you later as well with your insurance and crap. So I thought, ah, oh, that's that's kind of a bad omen here to start the uh, few days of pleasure. And uh, so I was very respectful. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. I said, yeah, sorry, I messed up here. You know, what can I say? And so the officer comes back and he says, listen, he said, I'm, I'm just going to give you a warning. He said, there's no, no, no problem. Just slow down. He said, and, and I looked at him, <laughs> so I grinned ear to ear and I thought, oh dear. I said, bless you, brother. Thank you. <laughs> so I got on the car, pulled away. And I said to my son, he said, uh, no, he, he says, no, keep it slow. All right. He said, all right, man, we're on it. <laughs> Well, that's good. It was a good experience. And that's a lot of times you'll get that. And this is what I say. What do we expect our cops to do? You know, do we want them doing motor vehicle? You know, you didn't crash. If you crashed, then maybe they should have given you some tickets for, for going too fast. But, you know, uh, everybody drives the uh, what traffic will bear, as they say, even the cops do. You know, you'll be sitting there and all of a sudden, and even when I was in a marked patrol car, everybody's doing 75 in a, in a 60 mile an hour zone and you pull up in a cop car and everybody's doing 40. Traffic slows down. Now it's dangerous. People are cutting in and out to try and move. And as soon as I get out of there, I know they go back to 65, 75 miles an hour. Uh, you know, it's uh, major highways are, are, are safe. You know, what you don't want is the person cutting in and out of traffic and, you know, doing 100 and riding somebody's bumper. Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, I've seen people go by me do that. And I pointed them out to my son. I would say, oh, there's an idiot. I said, look at that. He's driving. And like you say, and they do that. And then they weave in and out of the traffic, which is really bad. Listen, we I've got I have totally digressed here and taken us down the side (laughs) boulevard, which I'm very famous for, by the way. So it's not unusual. But there are two things I need to cover before we lose uh, leave here. And one is I know, Kathy, you've got a question about red flag laws. I want to get that in the program in a moment and ask Lieutenant Joe uh, while we've got this uh, knowledge base here. But Lieutenant Joe, I want to ask you first uh, straight out here, all the uh, th- these recent shootings that are happening, which I talked pretty extensively with, uh, as well as the desensitization of our nation uh, with Pastor uh, Stephen Broden up front in the first hour of the program. So I want to ask you straight out here. Uh, you, you look at the rash of shootings that have happened. We kind of zoned in on that Columbus, Ohio with the young girl, because it's very in your face what took place there to me, amongst others. Um, what's ta- what's going on with this desensitization in our nation? Why the level of shootings? Why, why are we becoming unglued, my friend? Well, I, I think, Malcolm, you know, I, I write a lot about this particular topic. This is um, this is right in my wheelhouse, active shooters and, and violent shooters and what's going on. We have been through the most unprecedented thing in our lifetimes in this past year with the pandemic and the lockdowns, the restrictions and the masks and 
forcing people to get a vaccine or not to get a vaccine. What this is, and what I've talked about on my show, what Chasing Justice, as well as what I've written about extensively, is that this pressure, this is actually a PTSD that most people are either overtly or covertly responding to. Uh, the lockdowns and the, the, the way we could or could not interact with people. This is not normal. This is not healthy. Uh, psychologically, it is damaging to people. And when we see, as the schools start to open up and we're seeing you know, multiple school shootings now, uh, now we're seeing workplace violence shootings, it's, it's inevitable. It is something that last May, when we were closed down for supposed to be two weeks and it ended up being a month and a half, almost two, we anticipated schools might've opened up again in June to finish the year. And I said, I'm concerned that even that little bit of a lockdown and disassociation with other people would create this PTSD effect and, and violence in our schools. It's been over a year now, and I think we're going to be dealing with this for the next couple of years. This is uh, the beginning, I think, of this expression of, of violence due to the unprecedented situation we've been through. It is a, uh, it is a traumatic situation we've all been through, and it's still going on. You're still fighting about it every single day. Can you go somewhere? Do you have to do you have to have a, a card now to show you've been vaccinated, or you can't go different places? This is is such a strange dynamic that we have going on that it's elevating uh, people. So we have people who may not have ever been a problem before, but after the effects of these lockdowns and of the of the pandemic, we are now going to see maybe some latent violence appear in people that maybe there wasn't before. Uh, students who maybe were on the cusp, but under the radar, and they would have gone through with no problem. Now we may see after the effects of this, what it's done to them, this disassociation, this disconnection, uh, where they're going to act out in ways they might not have before. And this is, goes for, for all parts of our society. And unfortunately, um, I predicted this a year ago, and we're now seeing it wow. uh, on a daily basis. Um, so what do we do about that? This is where uh, I talk all the time about, can we spot violence before it happens? Yes, we can see the predictors coming, but we are so still caught up in just trying to get our businesses back together, get our schools back together. We've kind of forgotten about these kind of things. And it's gonna, I'm gonna say it's gonna get worse before it gets better, uh, which is unfortunate. Yeah, and then the media is all, uh, you know, not helping us out. I mean, they're all exposed to lies and fake news and everything else, and they don't like the narrative on the Columbus, Ohio story I mentioned moments ago here. Uh, it's the same deal. We don't have any truth, any support, which makes our work so important here at America Out Loud, Joe. Uh, you know, it's so vi vi critical, vital, like, well, Pastor Broden even said up front, of the work we're doing here. It's just, it's a great reminder to us of how important this is. Uh, Kathy, let's get your question out to Lieutenant Joe while we can here, please, on the red flag laws. Yeah, I so appreciate that. And I just wanna let you know, uh, Lieutenant Pengarrell, I love your podcasts. They are so informative and so lively uh, to listen to. So thank you for what awesome. you do. Awesome. Thank you, Kathy. Yes, and um, yeah, I do have this question because as a, um, a prior victim of, of stalking in which I had to arm myself because it was uh, life-threatening situations, um, but, I, I like the idea of red flag laws. On the other hand, today with now we're hearing about snitching apps coming out and we've got neighbor, you know, uh, turning neighbor in. And that scares me as to uh, the balance that uh, people, gun owners need to be concerned with there. I'm going to tell you, you are exactly right on point. Um, 
I recently was, was looking into this. When, when the idea of a red flag law first came out, someone makes a threat, a student makes a threat or an adult makes a threat, and you find out they have weapons and you go and secure those weapons till you can find out if this person is, is really dangerous or not. Uh, seems like, well, gee, what a logical thing to do, take the weapon away from the potentially threatening person. And that has, I guess, in domestic violence, if there's a domestic violence and we find out that there's weapons in the home, the police usually go confiscate them until the domestic violence has passed over, there's a divorce or they work it out, get counseling, whatever. But when it comes to the red flag laws, if we could count on honesty, truth, and justice in our system, which is getting much, much more difficult to find in our system, it is politicized. When you have red flag laws where I can call up and say, hey, listen, Kathy made some threats, man. I heard her saying some things about shooting some people. Hey, now we just come and take your guns. What if there's a robo app that starts telling everybody, uh, you know, all these uh, Republicans that have these guns, you know, they believe in that liberty and justice stuff uh, and they're very dangerous. Maybe we should go get their guns and en masse for public safety. We're just going to disarm uh, everyone of this group or everyone of that group just till we can check it out. Try and get your weapons back once they've been taken away from you. Mm-hmm. Almost impossible. Yeah. So that's where I come down on. We have to be careful for the 330 million people and look for the dangerous people, but we don't take away everyone else's weapons. Yeah, so certainly. And we got to talk a lot more about the Second Amendment as well in the future, because that is what they're really after right there. And I mean, there's so many violations against our liberties and so many violations against our Constitution. And that's where we find ourselves today. Again, it's why it's incumbent upon us right here, my friends, you and I out there. Uh, to make the ultimate difference, because you can't count on anyone else. You're not going to be able to count on the media. You can't count on your political operatives and uh, the folks you elect to office uh, because, you know, Trump was a phenomenon. He actually did what he said he was going to do, but he was not a politician. Uh, He was an exception to the rule of politicians. Politicians, by far and large, talk trash. Uh, They don't ever follow through on what they say. It's all a game. It's like a monopoly game to these people, you know. So and and again, I think even Pastor Bowden mentioned up front, he was so accurate. These people work for us. We don't work for them. You know, everybody forgets that. Everybody forgets that. See, we we are given the, the recipe and the keys to the car to these people who are killing us and destroying our nation. And until we take that ownership back and the possession of our Constitution back and say, you know what, you can't do that. You don't have right to do that. And, and we own this country, not you, just because we hired you to get there. We'll get the hell out. You know, we got to ex- we got to if, 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 get them out of the office. We got to get them out of the office. Right. And uh, and and make better decisions moving forward for sure. So we covered a lot today, my friends, on the desensitization of a nation. Uh, covered an awful lot here. Uh, I knew it would be a very spirited uh, conversation uh, with uh, Lieutenant Joseph Pangaro. Always love to have him on. He's terrific. Uh, and uh, Pastor Stephen Broden, a uh, new part of our family here on Team Nation, uh, which is terrific uh, to have here. And, and again, our Team Nation with Kathy Chamberlain and this is what we do here five to seven every day on the voice of a nation we'll bring it to you real with the out loud truth uh, it's not not uh, varnished or or with some lacquer of garbage or gossip and uh but also why we do this along the way here let's have a good time as well and share a laugh together huh we need a little liberty in the insanity for sure uh so while you're having happy hour in the afternoons of five to seven on the eastern seaboard join us there uh in on the voice of a nation And thank you, my fellow Americans, for being on the mission. It's time to get involved and get loud.